Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back to the Weekside Podcast. I'm Jenny Frentis. I'm here with Connor Orr. Well, not actually here with Connor Orr, but on the line with Connor Orr for our second week side of the week. Lots of rumors flying around, Connor. A lot to discuss today. You know, there was a report from WFAN that there was a potential rumbling of a trade of Odell Beckham Jr. to the Vikings for a second and fifth round pick next year. This has been subsequently denied and dismissed by sources in the know, but... Who knows? There's that to discuss. There's also some impending bomb from Jay Glazer that he's breaking big, big news tomorrow night on or tonight, uh, Tuesday night on Fox Football Now, Wednesday night, Connor. I'm getting the days all mixed up. What, what, <laughs> what day is it that we're recording, Connor? We are recording on a Wednesday. Okay. Yes. The show comes out on a Thursday. Okay. So there's that. There's lots of draft rumors. We'll get to one of those later on. You know, what do you make of it, Connor? I like that uh, you missed the opportunity in our show notes to make it rumor season SZN. 
uh, you know, but that said, I'm all for it. I mean, it's time to, if we're going to go ahead and embrace the league being open and active during this time, even though we both think they shouldn't be, I mean, it might as well at least fulfill the need that they claim to be uh, fulfilling and that is entertaining us. So yeah, trade Odell Beckham to the Vikings. That's a great idea. I would love that. I don't, uh, it sounds like it's not going to happen, unfortunately, but it was an oddly specific report, right? Very specific, down to the trade compensation and everything. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm all for it. I mean, this is kind of when the NFL is at its best and weirdest. Um, we can only speculate as to what some of the bigger news is. But the hope is that um, common sense prevails in all aspects. That is my one, uh, that is my one underlying hope from all of this. The trade specifics that were reported, second and fifth round pick, is the same as what was exchanged in the ill-fated Antonio Brown trade last year, if I remember correctly. So who knows if there's some links being drawn there or what. But yes, I agree, Connor. It's some sense of normalcy, I guess, in that we're sitting here and discussing some hot rumors off the mill. So, hey. I don't know. Would you you trade? I mean, I, I feel like if Odell got traded again, um, that would be monumental in terms of the way that he would be viewed, I think, for the rest of his career. Like, almost like it would go from, like, an ascending Jerry Rice-type figure to, like, almost like a Keyshawn Johnson. Um, but without, you know, I I think Odell, well, was probably equally as outspoken as Keyshawn was. Keyshawn wrote the book um, at the time. So, I don't know. I think it would kind of shift the way that we view him a little bit. I do, too. I think it's unlikely because the receiver draft is so deep. When they traded away Diggs, who was disgruntled and made no secret of the fact that he wanted out, probably a driving force behind that is they felt like they could get a receiver in this year's draft. Now, in my mock, I didn't have them taking one in the first round. I think you did, Connor. But um, regardless of when they take one, there's a lot. this is a very good receiver class, and there's a lot of depth to it. So you could get a receiver in the first, you could get one in the second round. Um, a lot of opportunities to fill that need. And then also there's the question of, yeah, this is a player who would have been traded twice and you just had an issue with Diggs, evidently, wanting out and pushing his way out. So do you bring in a receiver that's had some some of those issues at his past two teams? Yeah, I don't know. I think um, it, it would be an odd spot. But like anything else, you always wonder like where this stuff pops up and where it comes from. I mean, if it's not true, then that's a little bit of a bummer. But I'm sure that there's going to be we're going to get a banger here, I think, in the next couple of days. You know, I think we're definitely going to get like a like a star player on the move banger. It's just a matter of when, not if, I think. And if that has happened, by the time this podcast comes out, we apologize. We are recording this at 2.40 p.m. Connor Orr tells me that today is Wednesday, and so <laughs> that this episode is current as of that time. Exactly. Um, and hey, that doubles as an oracle, too. I'll get points for that if a big trade happens tonight. So. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. All right. So let's move into the news topics. I'll start it off. You wrote about this this week, so we really tease you up here, Connor. The Panthers on Monday made Christian McCaffrey the highest paid running back ever with a four-year, $64 million contract extension, an average of $16 million per year for those of you who don't want to pull out your calculators. Was this a reset for the sagging running back market, or is McCaffrey an unusual case? 
I think, and this is just me personally, if I was a running back, you celebrate initially because you say, okay, great, the market is not dead. But then you come to that cold realization that statistically you're going to have to match up with a total anomaly to be able to beat that. I think that the market for running backs is still going to sag. You're just going to have to come up to Christian McCaffrey's level to reset. I don't think a normal running back, even a Saquon Barkley, resets with that number with a second contract. Yeah, the running back market has been so odd the past few years. I wrote about this a little bit last year as it pertained to the Le'Veon Bell situation, but it sagged so much that the franchise tag number for running backs actually dropped from 2017 to 2018, partly because some below-market deals, like Devontae Freeman signed for $8.25 million per year, which was you know, less than half of what Bell was asking for in 18. and We saw Gurley sign that four-year $60 million contract, average of $15 million per year, then get cut two years into it. We saw Bell asking for $15 million. Ultimately, he signed for a little bit more than $13 million per. Of course, there were some incentives that were hard to reach that could get him a little bit higher. But yes, I think that McCaffrey is a special case. He's being paid for his value beyond simply being a running back. It's for being a receiver. It's for being a centerpiece of the offense. And I think it's a hard bar for other running backs to meet. I would like to see check down stats too, because if you think about it, he came in at a time when um, you know Cam Newton was obviously not at his healthiest and couldn't throw as far as he normally could, and then you had the Kyle Allen regime too, and I think that, and not at all to suggest that he's padding his stats, but I think that a lot of those rece- receptions and receiving yards specifically, because I think one of the stats that everyone pointed to was outside of Mike Evans and um, Michael Thomas, I think it was. Uh, Mike Evans might not be the right uh, receiver there, but he's the third most receiving yard uh, receptions since coming into the league in in 2017. Um, But how many of those are, you know, uh, emergency outlet passes that don't go very far? I thought Football Outsiders had an interesting look at, like, if he was a wide receiver, he would be below average in terms of his output. Um, specifically looking at the way that he operates there. But um, I don't know. I mean, how did the Panthers value um, this? It's an interesting look into kind of what Matt Rule is thinking for this offense. Yeah. I like the fact that you used Kyle Allen regime in the same sentence, Connor. That may be the first <laughs> time that's ever been spoken. No, no disrespect to Kyle Allen. I just, you know... Everyone deserves a regime. That's you know? right. The Connor Orr regime on the Weekside podcast. People might mm-hmm. say that. I could say that about you. I like Kyle that. Al- the Kyle Allen regime in Washington. It's only a matter of time, you know? I don't know. What do you think? Am I wrong? No, I, I agree. It's an interesting, and I think with all the turnover that the Panthers have had, they lost Newton and Greg Olson and Luke Keekley. So for Matt Rule, he needs a franchise cornerstone moving forward, and so they're paying McCaffrey for that. But, yeah, I I... I find that the projections for running backs, I think it's really interesting how they've been all over the map the last few years, and I feel that that will continue to be the case. Like if you're Saquon Barkley, like every, you know, I saw a bunch of people right after Christian McCaffrey signed the contract tweeting the eyes emojis and tagging Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is not beating that deal. There's no way. I, I just I don't see any possible way, especially from the Saints, but um, that unless the team is entirely desperate, mm-hmm. that they won't just try to replace them in the draft like everybody else. Yeah, we talk about this a lot, but this kind of harkens back to the 
Namdi Asamoah situation where he was paid a ton by the Raiders and that became the bar that cornerbacks were aspiring to. And Darrell Rebus was asking for $16 million per year to nudge him past Asamoah. And even now, the corners are kind of in that range, right? It's, they're not much past that 10 years later. So I think you have these outlier contracts that relate to how a team values a specific player more than they say something about, or in, in the Raiders' case, just flinging money around, but more than they say about the position as a whole. Yeah. is uh, I guess Christian McCaffrey's like a, an FOF, a face of the franchise. He, he could be an FOF. Yeah, he could he could be an FOF. I get yeah, you know. I could see it. They need some new uniforms. Why don't the Panthers get some new uniforms too? And we can have him model those and see how it all works out, you know? Yeah, the branding there is is speaking of things that are sagging. <laughs> Probably shouldn't um, continue farther down that line. But uh, There you go. Let's um, move on to the next topic, Cotter. Dr. Anthony Fauci said in an interview with Snapchat there's a citation we did not expect that this that there's a path for sports to return in 2020 if athletes are sequestered in hotels, tested every week, and nobody comes to the stadiums. What do you think the response would be to sports played under those conditions? Man, this is what we were talking about at the top of the show. With uh, I texted you when we saw that there was supposed to be some gigantic Glazer report that I hope this is not it, that the NFL is not making a plan for this. I think this would be just a total disaster. Yeah, it's hard to imagine that this would work. Uh, I guess the plan would include regular testing, which is not widely available in the United States as is. So if we're going to have resources being devoted to athletes being tested regularly, we have to make sure we have enough tests for people who need it to be tested across the country. The the sequestering, we talked about this before, that presents a lot of challenges. I mean, the flip side is that there may be athletes itching to go back to work. I I saw some some tweets from a – there was a tweet from a baseball player going around saying that he hopes there's a plan to move forward with the baseball season. And I think doctors do acknowledge the mental health aspect of people missing out on something like sports. It leaves a void in our society. Um – but that's sports at all levels uh, across. It's, it's more than just being able to watch a professional sports game, which, I, you know, I think people, yes, I mean, that's a big part of our, our, how we live our lives. But sports returning involves, like, being able to take your kids to their baseball game and softball games, and that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about sports just at the highest level, and the amount of resources and planning that would have to go into that when we still haven't even gotten a handle on the pandemic in our country seems faulty. Yeah, I don't know. I think it would just be weird. Um, I think it would be dystopian. I I like that Kirk Cousins said it would be refreshing to play uh, without fans. I thought that was like, um, and I do agree in some aspect that I'm sure as a player, um, maybe you're not as amped up as you normally would be, but there's probably something nice about just, you know, not getting a beer dumped on you or being called a loser, you know, for dropping a catch or anything like that. And you're just sort of bringing the game back to its elements and, and what you love about it, albeit in some giant empty stadium, uh, you know, but I don't know. I, I it, it just, uh, the whole thing seems weird to me, you know? It'd be interesting case study in just how meaningful home field advantage is. Ooh, 
There you go. Somebody said, uh, I forget who uh, tweeted that, but it was a good point. Like Seattle, Kansas City, um, you know, some of those places that Pittsburgh that you normally associate with like having a daunting home environment. All of a sudden it's like, huh. I wonder what uh, what the deal is with that, and it's going to kill. You know, if if that ends up being the case, if you're the Buccaneers, like what a wash that was. You know, you miss out on all of your you know merchandising opportunities and you know your ticket sales that you were hoping for. Uh, I don't know. That's going to be a that's going to be a bummer for sub teams. Yeah, and I mean to be clear, I think Fauci's comments were if it were if sports were to come back, and if we were going to talk about what it would look like for sports to come back, these would be the conditions. That seemed to be the thrust of his comment, not advocating for one thing either way. Though he did say he missed watching the Washington Nationals play. There you go. I could use a little baseball. That's always a great thing to have on in the background. You know, just a little good afternoon baseball. You know. Yeah. It's reruns. Yeah, yeah. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Um, all right. Number three, Gil Brandt. I love Gil Brandt. The Hall of Fame personnel man delivered one of the most surprising pre-draft takes this week when he said he would not be surprised to see Miami take a position player at number five. Is there a chance that Tua uh, stumbles a little bit? It seems like that has, speaking of draft rumors at the top of the show, it seems like this one is now gaining a significant amount of momentum. Connor, you missed my little pun here. I had Tua tumbles, you know, wordplay. That's all right. Uh, this is what happens. We should have been transparent with the listeners that the news topics are not Connor this week. And I feel like it's important to admit that because people would have said, why has the quality declined? Is Connor off of his game? And it's not. It's just that I happen to sub in and write them this week, which is why they're not as enticing as they normally are. But yeah, Jenny, Jenny yeah. stepped in in a very brave time. I had a phone call to make. I said, you know what? I'm going to go take a nice leisurely drive. And then once I got on the phone, I turned my car off, but turned the air conditioning on. So my car is stuck at a Cadoba right now. Um, oh, it's still 50. stuck there, Connor. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So I, I mean, eventually we'll go back and we'll get the car and everything will be okay. Just need some jumper cables. So Wow. Well, you're recording even with all that going on. I really appreciate you, know? you being here, Connor. That's that's the spirit, you know? I literally could not record without you. I would be talking to myself. <laughs> well, Shelby could step in. It could be me and Shelby. Shelby would be great. I agree. All right, Tua. Um, yes, this was very interesting. So you and I both had Tua still going in the top five in our mock draft. Or you had him going sixth. Or wait, did you have him going sixth? I believe, yeah, even going, okay, top six. So I had him going to Miami at five after the Chargers leapfrogged them to get Herbert at at the four spot. And you had Tua going five to, or uh, Herbert going five to Miami and Tua going six to the Chargers. But now this report is surfacing and a lot of it appears to tie to the uncertainty with the medicals and teams not being able to examine them themselves. I think it also indicates that the stunt to put out the personal pro day video didn't really do anything to make teams feel better or allay concerns. Yeah. And this goes along with kind of the, you know, I'm not pretending at all. I mean, don't, I I can hear people already rolling their eyes at me saying this, but like, I'm not saying, oh yeah, you know, now that I think about it, but it it does sort of align with what the Dolphins are doing. I mean, this is a very smart, uh, structured rebuild. Uh, They brought in Chan Gailey, who has been Ryan Fitzpatrick's longtime offensive coordinator. You could get by without taking a quarterback high this year if you wanted to, you know, and if you're worried about the medicals, you're worried about the medicals. But to me, it's, 
it, it blows my mind that there are going to be two teams out there that get Tua and Cam Newton um, and uh, for a bargain, potentially for a bargain basement price. And uh, all because, you know, we kind of forced uh, the league to open back up prematurely and nobody can get uh, satisfied with any of the medicals. Yeah, I mean, the toll on players like that is immense and un- underestimated, I think. I thought if the Dolphins were to take two at five, they could reason this is a player that we wouldn't have gotten normally. That in if this were a normal year or if he hadn't been coming off the hip surgery, we would not have been able to get him at five. We would have had to move up and use some of our resources. So let's take a guy that fell to us. But... If you don't think he's going to work for you, if you don't feel confident in him for whatever reason they, that may be, then you're you're wasting a number five pick. So you still have to believe that there's p- potential there that he could be your QB of the future. And if they don't believe him, but then I went through this exercise: if you don't have Tua going to the Dolphins at five, then where does he go? And you know, if the Chargers stayed at six, would they take him, or would he? You know, if the Chargers had already traded up and gotten Herbert. I don't know. There's a lot of situations to consider here. Yeah. And and if it falls beyond that, like if the medical is serious, right, then is it the Panthers? Um, Is it the Buccaneers in a dream scenario where they can then stack him behind Tom Brady and let uh, Tom Brady mentor him for two years? I think I remember in the flurry of Brady mystery reports that there was this idea that he wanted to develop some long-term passer despite the fact that he had the opportunity to do so in new england and uh uh, declined but um i don't know uh the raiders uh the jaguars would like if he if he fell below the jaguars i think i would be completely and totally stunned yeah and the raiders have two first round picks now they don't have any in the second round but there, I mean there are teams that have multiple opportunities to do things in the first round I, I don't know the other part of that report is that they would take a, a skill position player not a different quarterback so let's say no one jumps up to get Herbert does that mean they would not pass on to a just for another quarterback they would pass him for a position player altogether so that might mean that they don't like Tua or Herbert that would be really interesting if all of a sudden on draft day Burrow goes number one and then the rest of these guys just drop and all of a sudden they're just floating in orbit I and the chaos surrounding that and given the fact that it's an off-site draft and that everything is taking place on everybody's computer I mean wow we could have a regular uh, th- this would be quite the kerfluffle you know and if Tua does start to slide, let's say. There are teams in the top 10 that could tr- would look to tr- potentially trade back, right? And then another team could jump up to try to get Tua. So, I don't know. A lot of possibilities, but that was definitely an interesting report, Connor. Rumor, rumor season. Do you say, when, when it's S-Z-N, do you still say season or do you say like season? I have no idea. Season. I've never used that before. Hmm. I'm going to have to ask. Maybe I'll ask Johnny Manziel. I'll send him a DM. (laughs) All right. I like the fact, by the way, that you read two and three in a row so that I could read four because it's really designed for you to be asked this question. Next level. The Browns were the latest team to unveil their redesigned uniforms. This is the second redesign for the Browns in five years. What does noted uniform critic Connor Orr think (laughs) of their new threads? They're perfect. 
that's exactly what you should have done. A hundred percent. You go back to the originals. Like the, this, there was nothing wrong with the Browns originals. They had a classic look, and that is a team in a color combination that is very difficult to turn into, like what the Nike fied. Uh, uniforms of today are like all the gradients and the and the sharp lines and stuff like that it's very hard to do that with brown right and so with brown you need classic you know and i Mm -hmm. think that they went back to a classic look um i i i I thought they nailed it and all along i've that's all i've been asking these teams to do is to go back to something that is distant yet familiar and people will like it i mean i just thought this was uh this was a slam dunk a rare a rare uniform alteration slam dunk can I make a comment that sounds a little bit like a eight-year-old boy might make? But, sure. All right. <laughs> Imagine if they had tried to do an orange to brown gradient, and then there were like some splatters. Like, oh, could look like a poop splatter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, definitely glad there was no gradient involved. I agree. I mean, I think looking at the new uniforms was a reminder of just what a whiff this the last redesign was. Oh I yeah, mean, with the Cleveland over the numbers, and it was just. Uh, hot mess. So I agree. This was sharp. It was refreshing. It was simple. It was what they needed. Yeah. No. It was. A, it was. It was a definite facelift and just a little mark of fashion sanity at a time when it seems like you know all else has been lost in uh, in terms of uniforms. I, I think a lot of it's gone downhill. Is that it? By the way, is the, are there any more uniform reveals or any other teams waiting in the wings to launch new uniforms now or? That's all that I knew of, Connor. But you know, you're the guy, you're the uniform critic, so I defer so, to you. You might hear some scuttlebutt. That's right. So they, uh, I think I saw someone uh, tweet this, but that they changed the uniforms in time for Manzel. They got the big uniform boom there, and then they flip it back, um, like two years later, um, and then they get to resell all the Baker ones again in a different, you know, in a different look. But man, the grift is on, Jenny. You know. Everything's a grift, Connor. We just, you got to be vigilant and looking out for the grifts. Totally, 100%. Um, speaking of which, uh, Dak Prescott, in a coordinated statement released on Tuesday night, disputed the report that he held a party at his Prosper home on Saturday, saying that there were fewer than 10 people present for an at-home dinner. Police were called to the scene to investigate the gathering that night to see if the Cowboys QB was in violation of social distancing guidelines, but did not issue a citation. Earlier on Tuesday, Stephen Jones said in a radio interview that the team had talked to Prescott and Elliott, who was reportedly a guest, and said that this would not happen again. What do you make of Dak Prescott's statement? Man, that statement really bothered me, Connor. Why? Well... This is a time when we're encouraged to not have any social gatherings that aren't necessary. So I know that they're saying this 10-person limit, but any kind of gathering with people who you're not quarantining with, if, if you haven't isolated for two weeks prior, totally you know, stayed inside, which we know he hasn't because he's been out doing workouts, and it felt irresponsible to say, I know the rules and I support the first responders when you're needlessly taking a risk to invite people over for a non-essential dinner, people who are not in your family. I mean, there's a lot of people, Lindsay Jones from The Athletic tweeted it, and I agree. You know, there's a lot of people who are not seeing relatives in their same town, 
they're not seeing people in their family because they're worried about the risk. And so to have him flippantly say, well, my dinner party was fine because it was less than 10 people, I thought was pretty tone deaf. And he was, he was defiant in the statement too. I mean, just because there weren't 30 people there for a party doesn't make that behavior okay. Yeah. I mean, I just don't see what it's going to take um, to get people to understand. I mean, you know, would I love to go see my parents? Yes. Would you love to go see your parents? A hundred percent. But like, we're taking this seriously. And in New York and New Jersey, where uh, we live, there has been evidence to suggest that the curve is not only bend, uh, flattening, but maybe bending and uh, inversing a little bit because so many people have taken the social guidelining rules um, to heart. And, and actually did something about it. And so to have someone like Dak throw a party like that, uh, you know, or whatever it is, you know, it's just there are impressionable minds out there, you know, and I think that people, especially now that we're talking about potentially reopening the country, are maybe going to take this as an invitation to just say, yeah, whatever. OK, well, if they're doing it, then, you know, it's, it's probably almost over so we can go out now, too. The timing of the statement was also interesting because the report came out, I guess the the gathering was Saturday night. The TMZ report came out after that. Stephen Jones talked about it on the radio show Tuesday, and only then did Prescott put the statement out. And I thought, you know, Stephen Jones said what he needed to say, that they talked to both players, that it wouldn't happen again. And then what, 12 hours later, Prescott puts out the statement. So I did think that was interesting that he, it was almost like a response to what the team executive had said that morning, the team executive who he's in contract negotiations with. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I saw somebody joke that, uh, you know, the Cowboys should just uh, trade up and get, uh, trade up and get Tua, you know, and then, and just let it go, you know, let Dak hit the open market. Maybe he'll stumble to them. He'd be a great New England Patriot. What do you think? Yeah, that's true. I I just also said stumble instead of tumble, Connor. So we're really just missing missing this potential headline. Two tumbles. Two tumbles. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's like... The workouts are one thing, and I think that the league and, and, and teams should step up in that regard. But in your personal life, I think you have to know that you're a high-profile figure and that you're setting an example here. How many celebrities have we seen um, you know, making evidence of that? I mean, if you turn on the nightly news, it's the whatever it is, it's the ABC nightly news or the Today Show. Everybody is quarantining. You know, Nobody's going into work. And so why... Why put yourself at risk and why put the idea out there that it's okay to start putting yourself at risk yet? I mean, maybe at minimum, we have 15 more days until the country opens up in a very slow and methodical way, at least from where we are uh, in New York and New Jersey. Just wait. Just be patient. You know, I know it sucks. I know it's hard, but it's better than having this and putting an increased burden on the healthcare system right now. Yeah. All well said, Connor, which leads us into everyone's favorite segment, the Oracle. That's right. Um, So we're going to train the next generation of prognosticators here. I've got my soon-to-be two-year-old on my lap. She likes to play in dad's office. Evie, can you make a prediction for us? You want to talk into the microphone? No. She's resisting the Oracle. (laughs) What do you think, huh? Everyone's looking for, uh, everyone's looking for a future prediction. What do you, uh, what, what would you say to everybody out there? I know what it is. You don't know what it is. It's a microphone. 
What do you have to say? I think, Connor, what we can take away from her initial answer, hi, Evie, is that she's not interested in sports journalism because you asked her if she wanted to do the Oracle, and she said no. So I think she's got a lot of other career possibilities outside of sports journalism, so I look forward to seeing what she pursues in life. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's perfect. What do you think, Evie? Yeah. Yeah. And green means? Go. There you go. <laughs> Hopefully she picks a more stable career industry than uh, journalism. <laughs> a lot of great choices out there. That's right. Yeah. Um, so what do we have for the Frentis consensus to close this out? Well, I was thinking for the Brentis consensus this week, I talked to a couple team doctors last week, one from the 49ers, um, Dr. Saglumbini, and one from Washington, Dr. Tobacco, and they both are working on the COVID-19 front lines in some capacity. So they have regular primary care practices, and they're doing different kinds of services in their community to help the pandemic you know uh dr tobacco has a drive-up clinic where patients can come and and seek medical advice or get tested in their cars which kind of stems the number of people flooding into emergency rooms Uh, dr saglambini has been providing similar kind of triage service for this pandemic so if there he had a patient who thought they were exposed and they ended up doing a testing of 15 people Uh, contact tracing to see if any of the people he was exposed to uh, in that time period tested positive. So it was interesting to see how when the NFL Physician Society said we won't do any football-related physicals, a lot of doctors used that time to help their communities in ways that mattered. And I thought that showed the importance of the order, which was issued by the NFL Physician Society, Anthony Casalaro's and the Washington team doctor as well. He was the one who issued the statement. Um, So I thought it was interesting to hear the impact of that and why it mattered that they put their foot down, despite the fact that the NFL was considering as business with business as usual, they said, we're not going to. So I thought that was a good, uh, good thing to highlight Connor. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, you know, good on people who are, you know, are stepping up and stepping in at this time. I mean, that's really the, uh, that's really the important thing. And, if you can hear in the background, we finally got the version of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star we were asking for. So. I can hear it. It's impressive. Well, maybe she'll be a singer, Connor. Yeah, you know, d- j- something just as stable as sports journalism. You well, know? that's be- true. That's true. <laughs> I did say maybe she'd choose something a little bit more stable. But I Listen, I was glad to have her make a cameo on the podcast. You know, she's the, in my opinion, I don't mean this as a slight, Connor, but the strongest or that we have. So No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely the breakout star of uh, definitely the breakout star of the season. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. The MMQB Weekside Podcast is me, Jenny Rentis, and Connor and Evie Orr. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Moravik is emeritus executive director of the MMQB. Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.